0: Welcome to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch, and your host. Today we welcome Crystal Schwartz. Crystal is a civil engineer who is currently working on her master's degree in civil engineering at the University of Kansas. She's relaunching her career after a four and a half year career break because of childcare decisions and military moves. She and her husband, a Navy officer, are currently stationed in Kansas. And she's also working in an internship with Apex Engineers while she's obtaining her professional engineer certification. Crystal found out about the internship and first spoke to a recruiter about it at a University of Kansas job fair. However, after the COVID lockdown, when work went remote, she was notified that the internship would be canceled for that winter break. Crystal proposed a few ideas and convinced Apex to keep her internship, even though it meant onboarding remotely. We're going to hear more about exactly what Crystal said and how she's relaunching her technical career as a military spouse and while moving locations every few years. Crystal,
1: welcome
0: to 321i Relaunch.
1: Thanks for having me, Carol.
0: Well, thanks for being here, and I can't wait to hear about how you're restarting your career, but first I want to go back in history a little bit and hear more about what factors were involved in your decision to return to work, and how did you end up going back to school for your master's degree?
1: Yeah, um, after being home for a couple of years, my husband and I decided that for me to return to work was probably going to be the best thing for our family. And so we kind of thought I would go back around the time all of our children were in school full time. But given our circumstances and different things in our family, we decided for me to return to work sooner rather than later. And I actually started this journey about the end of 2018. Um, where I decided to go back and get my professional license and take the PE exam. That's what it's called for civil engineers. Since then, we've both just seen the experience of relaunching a career is not quite uh, linear or as easy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we've definitely been through a few trial and error seasons. So this right now is me relaunching a career by going back to school and trying to find a place to rebuild skills uh, through something like an internship. And so that's where we are now. And I'm really glad that we've done that. Um, I'm excited to be where I am. But it has come after a few years of being on this journey.
0: Right. And and we really appreciate you talking about that and giving us those details, because that's what happens during a relaunch. It, it's hard to yeah. predict. And, you know, things come up that it takes longer than you think or the pathway is different. So this thought process is exactly what our audience wants to know about because we're all going through the same thing. But your situation is is different because your husband's in the military, you're a military spouse. Can you talk to us more about how you think about these short and longer term career planning decisions in light of being a military spouse and part of a military family where you're moving around?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely, like I said, it, it has gone through the trial and error. There were times where we thought um, getting into the federal industry through something like the Navy, working as an engineer there would be a really great fit, but we've come to find it's it's not that easy to go into that. Even with the efforts the military has made to include military spouses within hiring, Um, the moving really is the biggest hurdle, I think, for us as military spouses and the restarting and reconnecting with businesses and industries in whatever location we're going to. With me as a military spouse, I think the biggest thing I've learned is my varied experiences are actually a benefit for whatever future job I have, I think it also teaches us how to pivot in short amount of notice, how to be resilient, you know, despite the changes and having to recalculate things. Mm-hmm. And also with going back for to school, it really has been a military benefit through the GI Bill. Um, ah, since right. we realized my husband wasn't going to be using that GI Bill for self. He has transferred it to myself and to our children. So the GI Bill has actually been a huge resource that I am very grateful that my husband has made that decision to share that with us. And that's made it possible for me to go back to school.
0: Got it. Thank you for talking about that and and, uh, the GI Bill and and how it can be used in different ways. I, I wasn't aware of that. Can you talk to us, I just want to switch gears a little bit and talk about you're in a technical field. And I wanted to have a better understanding of how you kept up or if you kept up with technical changes that were going on in civil engineering while you're
1: on career break. Right. And the short answer, no, not really. When I first had that decision to resign and stay home, it was actually in the mindset that I didn't need to go back to work personally. We were grateful to be able to have me stay home and that we could kind of rebudget things. We like went from two cars to one car and we kind mm-hmm. of went through some financial planning in order for us to budget to be on one income. But all that to say, I thought this was just going to be it, that I would remain home and we would raise our family And that would be the best thing for us. Mm -hmm. After a few years, we both realized, nope, that's probably not going to be the best for us. And so we needed to make certain changes. But, you know, with that, I knew that I wasn't keeping up with engineering for three years. And so my thought process through that was really going through what would it take to get back into an engineering job without going straight entry level um, what would it take as far as the skills and how have those skills changed the best thing i think i was able to do was reapply to sit for the professional engineer exam and i mm-hmm. think after speaking with other people in the industry you know people that i've just met through connecting with professional organizations and they all kind of told me getting your e would be a great way to show your future employer that you still have the skills necessary and that you are still able to comprehend and use complicated principles. So with that, I knew taking the PE was going to be a financial investment and it was also going to be a time investment. Normally you study for about 150 to 300 hours before you take that exam and that's after acquiring the necessary years of experience, your degree, and another fundamentals exam. So with that, I knew I had to figure out a study plan. How was I going to do that when I still have three kids or two kids, I was pregnant with our third at the time. And I still have that juggling, we don't do, we don't really have family support, because we're out of state, just where my husband was stationed. So Mm -hmm. it really took a little bit of planning, some asking for outside support, and just knowing that we are gonna pay this energy, this financial investment, in the hopes that it would help me open doors in the future with future employers. Being up to date on engineering skills during my time um, home was probably the one thing I could change. If, you know, I would change if I could. Mm -hmm. It's not really knowing that about myself that I would want to return to work eventually and to try to keep some skills up, whether it's part time or just doing some new learning with our computer software programs.
0: And then when you were starting to study for this, did everything just start coming back to you in a wave or did you kind of feel like? you're starting over again learning it, like and was were there any sort of ups and downs in terms of your confidence when you were moving through the material?
1: Yeah, I would say probably yes to all of that. There was a time where it felt like, okay, I remember this. And then there were times where I was like, I have no idea. So it really does it it was a journey for sure. And I think doing the course and you know investing that money towards really getting involved with the course, it's what helped me stay disciplined, helped me put out a study schedule. And it felt like, okay, this is real, I'm investing money, I'm investing time, we're going to make a plan, stick to the plan, and you know, get it done. So I think by doing that, and being in the material, you know, four hours a day, five times a week, and doing practice exams where I'd sit down for four hours and take the morning and then four hours and take the afternoon portion, because the exam is eight hours total. Um, Really testing and practicing in a um, timed setting, I think that really helped me to grasp the material and Mm. to to really, I guess, just immerse myself. So it's almost like having a part-time job, really. Yeah,
0: it sounds like it. Yeah, I'm just thinking about every time you're doing a practice exam, you, you really do have to sort of organize it because it's an eight hour exam, and and it's just mm-hmm. not like you just sit down for an hour and try to squeeze that in like late at night or something. So yeah, I I, I see I see what you're talking about. Now, when you you you're, you're in this master's degree program now, and so how does that feel back in a you know, high-level graduate school technical program um, after taking a career break? Or was studying for the um, PE exam sort of a, a really good, like, getting ready to be back in the master's degree
1: curriculum? Mm. Yeah, so the reason why I went back for a master's degree was after taking, studying for the PE, um, passing the PE exam, um, oh, that and- yeah, it. Okay. yeah,
0: that
1: a huge <laughs> moment. Right. I mean, I've heard from plenty of other engineers who have taken that exam. And they felt very similar to what I felt after that day was, I think I failed. Uh-huh. <laughs> like <laughs> you just you just don't know and you don't want to be overconfident. And yet you're like, I hope I did enough to pass that exam. But anyway, so after about five to six weeks, they'll let you know if you passed the exam or if you failed. And so it's just such a waiting game and it's so nerve wracking. And then you just try to forget about it. But the day that I knew results were out, it was, I mean, I remember just being shaky, so nervous and just telling everyone, like, don't ask me how I did. (laughs) Just just let me come to you (laughs) because, you know, it was, my family was all like, very excited for me, but I just felt like, wow, if I didn't pass this, it's, it's going to feel like another uphill battle. And thank goodness. I opened up that email and it said pass. And I kid you not, I threw my phone because I was so excited. (laughs) I don't know why I took it out on my phone, but I just remember laughing and crying. And it just really felt like one of those moments where it was a high. You know, you're on a mountaintop and you feel like, wow, I could do anything. Yeah. And it turned out it's not that easy, even after having your PE and having that career break. And maybe because it's also knowing I'm a military spouse, and I'll be leaving, it still was not a simple step to get hired. Mm -hmm. And a couple months after I got my PE, you know, I worked on my resume, I reached out to a um, career advisor through some military resources that we have access to. And I tried, you know, I sent out those applications, really put it on my cover letter of, who I was, what I've been through, and how I can, you know, be successful. And it just did not open any doors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really believe it just wasn't my time. After getting a no and a no and a no, after passing uh, my PE, I just was like, wow, maybe I can't go back to work. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe it really is this hard. And I just need to do something else. You know, and I thought about that but you know I tried again and I went to a career fair in person I was 8 months pregnant and I had you know had the big belly and I knew I was probably waddling because you know it's about that time but I really had it in me to like okay I'm just going to go to this career fair and talk to some people give them my resume tell them what I can do if something happens it happens. If not, it won't. Mm -hmm. And I also knew that we were planned to move um, six months after that point to another state. So looking at a career fair that's hiring locally, I didn't go in thinking, oh, yeah, they'll hire me and let me work remotely. Anyways, going to that career fair, I actually talked to a couple managers, and they were excited for me. And they were actually very supportive. Um, They knew I was going to move out of state, but there was another Navy base nearby. So there was a possibility to bring me on board. Um, So that was really exciting. And I couldn't wait to hear more from them. But it was kind of a long time. You know how it goes. You meet people and things get busy. And, you know, they didn't give you a job offer right at that moment. So you don't actually know how it's going to go. Suffice it to say, we went through an up and down roller coaster of back and forth emails of talking to different managers. They, I felt like they really did try, but the gap in my career break and the different jobs that I had taken just due to the fact that's what was available when they sent my husband to another place,
0: Mm -hmm. those types
1: of jobs just didn't equate to enough value for them. And my PE wasn't quite enough too. So with that, they both, these two hiring managers, both just could not actually get it to work out for me. And it was really tough because we had kind of drawn it out over six months. And when it came right down to the wire of us moving to that state, the Navy actually changed our orders anyways. Wow. So we did not end up going to that state and that job did not work out. But okay. at that point is when is when I really felt like I need to figure out a new plan. Mm-hmm. Somehow I need to regain new skills and rebuild the ones that I used to have and is not quite sharpened anymore. After we found out, that my husband was gonna go for his master's and we were gonna be here for two years. It was actually my husband's idea for me to go back to school too. You know, when you have a family, you just have so many more things to think about and it's not just my career and my time. It's, well, what about our children? What about our needs as a household? So with that, he, we kind of talked about it and we thought, okay, that still sounds like a good idea knowing that my husband does enjoy the military, he believes he's going to be in it for the career, and that it would help me get to a certain spot that would open more doors. So with that, we we decided, yeah, we're gonna contact KU, we're gonna contact the civil engineering department and talk to them about how to get enrolled, um, well, how to apply, and then how to get enrolled in school and to be done within two years. So. All, I know that's a long story, but all that to say, you know, this relaunching career has not really been some linear um, experience as so many of your listeners and the re- iRelaunch community understands. It is definitely up and down and it requires a certain attitude of resilience yes, and a certain attitude of, okay, so what else can I do? I think the biggest thing for me in this whole journey has just been to um, build a support network, you know, to not do it alone, whether it's getting outside help at home, um, getting support to get a break, or getting support to help you learn about your industry in a way that, you know, you can't just do by Googling you know, really getting that firsthand um, experience and expertise by building your network with other professionals in your industry or outside, you know,
0: Um, Crystal, I just want to change gears now and talk about this internship with APEX because my perception is, and tell me if I'm wrong, that it's going on right now concurrently with, with you being in the master's degree program. And I want to know if you could take us through what happened uh, when you got that. And then when it was kind of taken away and Mm. then what the conversations were, where you got it back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, during my first semester, um, during the last fall, part of my plan while going to get a master's was also getting an internship and doing that to regain, rebuild skills, and to get some relevant time onto my resume and current time onto my resume. So, Ku had a career job, you know, career fair. Oh, uh, a couple times in the fall. One was kind of for a meet and greet with companies, not necessarily a career fair, but it could lead to that. And then one was an official career fair where people were hiring. So the first career fair or meet and greet I went to, it was a failure. <laughs> I did not do well at meeting and greeting people virtually. It was a, both of these were online virtual career fairs.
0: I just want to point out two things. First of all, you get to go to this because you're a student. You go to the meet and greet and the career fairs because you are a student. So, this is like a byproduct of being uh, registered in a college or university educational program. So, I just wanted to say that. And the other thing is, you said like this first meet and greet was a failure. I guess you could look at it as a failure. I understand why you say that. But also, immediately, it taught you something to do something different the next time. So in that way, maybe it wasn't a failure.
1: That's exactly right. Because the first one, even though it was this, you know, very casual thing, um, it was virtual, and it was just a meet and greet. I think it was a great time for me to just to fail in a sense of to not do it well, so that I could see um, different things about myself, you know, any kind of negative talk that I've had in my head, just from going through the experience I've gone through, and feeling that low confidence, low self esteem. You know,
0: Hold on for a second. Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt again. But I just want to make sure that we capture something that you talked about. This is a virtual meet and greet. And so, you know, age of covid things are virtual things may stay virtual can you tell us what happens in a virtual meet and greet do uh, like there there are company representatives and and students and everyone like goes around and introduces themselves or like what actually happens
1: <laughs> yeah so the first meet and greet we all kind of went into the same virtual call i guess where you see everyone's face you know different people it can feel overwhelming cuz There are so many people there and you don't know anyone. But after we were in this one call, we actually had breakout rooms. And these breakout rooms were with two to three representatives of different companies. So it could be like six recruiters in one breakout room with like seven to 10 students. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: we're just all in it together. So smaller group, but again, still feels... A little bit, you know, awkward as mm-hmm. virtual can sometimes be. With that, they do kind of ask you, like, okay, what questions do you have for us? And honestly, I did not go prepared. And that was probably my mistake. <laughs> I probably should have been a little bit more prepared, as in knowing who the companies were going to be and coming up with some questions beforehand. So you're not caught off guard. Mm-hmm. But with that, that was all part of the learning experience. Um, And that is one of the reasons why going back to school has been such an amazing opportunity. It really has opened the door for me learning about myself in a pretty safe space, right? This Mm -hmm. is not necessarily something for your full time job. So I feel like it's the best place to get out there and try.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's really just fine tuning communication skills, and fine tuning what kind of career I'm really wanting as a goal. um, Mm. Because that has definitely changed as well. With that, the second career fair that they had was a official one, I guess, where you will go into a chat room with one recruiter from one company. This time, I kind of went into it as I'm going to pick the companies. I'm much more interested in. And I'm going to do some research about these companies. And then I'm going to treat this conversation like just a conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: not going to go into it trying to prove something or expecting anything.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think that really helped my nerves. And so I went in and I found this company, Apex Engineers. I saw them online. I was really intrigued by them. And I went in, talked to um, the recruiter there, and it was really nice. I mean, she really was down to earth, too. And just we had a fun conversation for a quick 10 minutes. And I just told her, I am very interested in structural engineering, and I'd love to learn how to design buildings.
0: Hold on. This is so specific. Like, can you say that again? Because I uh, one of the things we tell people is, it's like, I'm not going to civil engineering, like, say exactly what you said. So people know what we mean when we say be specific.
1: Oh, yeah. So I went in to my appointment with the recruiter, and I had looked up this company, because they are specifically a structural engineering firm that designs buildings. Mm-hmm. So going into uh, my appointment with the recruiter, we had a really great conversation. But that's exactly what I told her was, I am so interested in learning more about structural engineering and I want to design buildings. And that kind of helped her also be like, that's exactly what we do. And I would love to, you know, have you talk to our hiring manager out in the Lawrence office or the Kansas City office. So really that, yeah, having that specific idea in my mind, um it kind of narrows down your options in a way but at the same time you really get to focus on exactly what you want to do and i think that clarification really helps even the employer know that oh she fits in with what we do
0: mhm so then what happened was this for an internship and and then yeah. did you end up getting it
1: yeah so this was for um a winter break internship and um she got back to me and I think maybe like a week later and I had an interview with the hiring manager and he and I had a great conversation as well. And I think about a week later is when they offered me the internship. And Mm -hmm. again, just so excited, so elated that I was going to get this hands-on experience that is directly in the path that I want to go. However, like a couple months later, Our COVID numbers had been rising. And so they decided their company was going to go back to fully remote. And so with that decision, he did email me and let me know that they will not be having this internship any longer because we will be remote. And he really felt it was impossible to onboard an intern remotely. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was pretty disappointed. After that, I had tried emailing other companies um, just purely through LinkedIn, you know, just by connecting with some people and saying, hey, have you ever thought about doing a remote internship? I have a winter break coming up. That's six weeks. I'd love to learn, help your office in any way. Uh And none of them could pan out. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to APEX and i'm just going to give them a couple ideas of how we can make it work so i tried to put my thoughts together Mm -hmm. and i decided to really play on the fact that i'm an experienced engineer Mm so i'm not a green you know Mm -hmm. i'm not someone who's never worked in a professional environment before right i'm smart and i really want to be in this industry And so I kind of tried to put those thoughts into an email as brief as possible, but by asking him first, would you be willing to meet with me for 20 minutes and discuss how we can make this remote internship successful for you guys and for myself as an intern trying to gain work experience? As we know, COVID is not going away completely. So onboarding Trainees remotely might be part of your normal day mm-hmm. operation,
0: uh-huh.
1: and if you feel like you don't have the process down yet, I'd be willing to be a guinea pig. <laughs> you know, yes, I would be willing to be um, a trial for you guys, where we would work out what works, what doesn't work, and how we can make things better for not just me but the future of your guys' operations and opening up that talent pool to Mm. now a remote talent pool. And that was something that intrigued him. And, you know, it might've been just the timing of it or just what was going on with everything with COVID that it was just crazy enough, like, okay, let's just do it. Let's just try. So he told me, okay, I will meet with you for 20 minutes. And we set up a date and I just kind of put together a really short, brief presentation on PowerPoint of like those points that I kind of explained and what we would do by the end of my time. And if they wanted, we could try for a week and see how it goes. And if it's something that's just not working, we could cut it loose and just say, hey, we tried. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really was a no pressure type of situation
0: that is there's just so much information there. And I just a message out to our listeners if you want to rewind and replay that. sometimes um, everyone's curious about, well, what do people actually write or what do they actually say? And you essentially, just scripted out for us what you included in that email communication that was so effective in starting this communication again and ending up with you getting the internship. So I, I love it. And and there, there's so much quotable language in there. And thank you for sharing that, Crystal. Um, we're running out of time now, and I want to uh, jump to a couple of last questions that are really more focused on advice. And I want to know if you can first give any particular advice specifically for other military spouses who are trying to maintain some kind of career continuity while making frequent moves.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, as mentioned a little bit before, the military does have quite a a bit of resources for military spouses whether that is focused hiring in the federal agency or whether it's career advice and resource just through military military affiliated agencies and whether it's through the gi bill so if you're a military spouse and if you guys haven't looked into the gi bill yet um, as a as an avenue for you to turn to school or to even just get um, a certificate or a license, because you can actually use the GI Bill for more than just education. You can use it for beyond education, licensure, certification, or like year-long certificates that you can get at the graduate level. So there are actually a lot of options with that, and I encourage any military spouse who hasn't used that yet or looked into that to do so by contacting your VA or going online. And another thing is, you know, outside of, hey, maybe you do have the right skills, but how do you keep a career going while you've got lots of changes? And with that, you know, obviously I'm still pretty new. I'm still in the process of relaunching. But one of the things that has helped us, since we know that we're only here for two years, is by building relationships as much as possible. Um, and I mean, doing that through through a network, you know? And it's not just gaining um, relationships with people who could give you a job. It's really gaining relationships with people in your industry so that you can just keep the conversation going about, hey, what's trending in our industry? What's important for these companies? Um, and, and what are the challenges that are coming? And what are the things they do well? And when you learn all that about your specific industry, I feel like that gives you a good amount of knowledge to know how to work on things yourself, you know, so that when you go for that job, or when you get um, into a company, you know how to leverage your experience in a way that they, they can keep you on, even if you move, you know, and the more that we go into um, this new mode of operations where remote work is much more possible, um, the more possible it is for military spouses to do that. And so one of those things is just knowing your industry and building relationships within that industry so that people can know who you are and how talented you are and the things that you could bring to a company despite having these changes of location.
0: Can you give us just one example, like when you're saying, like through these professional contacts, how are you meeting them on LinkedIn? Are you meeting them through a professional association? Is there a virtual event? Like how exactly are you expanding your professional network?
1: Yeah, so I one way is really through LinkedIn. Um, It's been pretty neat to see how people will respond to each other. But I think as you engage in the things going on in your circle of your career field, you will start to see other like-minded people, you know, where you get excited about the same things going on in the industry and whatnot. And you just start aging through posts on LinkedIn, through people's articles that they write and share. And then, you know, you can go into LinkedIn and message those people that you saw post this or that you saw write an article and comment to them on how it affected you, how it impacted you and and share that you're thankful for that. And I think that starts to open up the conversation between you and other people because you genuinely care about what's going on. It's really engaging with what is going on in your industry and seeing what matters and where your industry is going. And I think once you start to immerse yourself in that to just have you know, courage and to be open to building relationships with those people. And that's been a lot of fun for me. I've even like really developed a great friendship with a structural engineer I met on LinkedIn and we've done video chats like two to three times uh, in the last semester. And it's just been fun because he lives in Texas and I live here, Um, but we've, we've met on LinkedIn and we just both, yeah, have sparked a really great friendship. It's been neat to have someone who is in your industry and who's gone through some experiences with growing. And it's just neat to get to have that in common with others. So it's a great support. support this particular
0: person, like, did you meet this person because this person commented on an article and then you saw the comment and you responded or somehow randomly, you saw that the person posted something that was interesting to you when you responded? Like, how did you meet a random structural engineer on LinkedIn that then turned into this sort of relationship where you are actually in touch with each other?
1: Yeah. Um, So, you know, like I said, when you immerse yourself in the things going on in your industry, um, you'll find there's a lot of conversation going on. And for me particularly, there are a couple podcasts that um, are all based on structural engineering. Mm-hmm. I know it's, it sounds, sounds strange, but they are out there. Um, and so a couple of them, I have been listening to one in particular, and um, it, it was a guest who started his own structural engineering firm out in Texas. And he was commenting about um, just higher education for engineers and his experience with that, because he's an adjunct faculty. So I went on LinkedIn and I shared the podcast episode and I messaged him afterward, that guy. And Mm -hmm. I said, hey, I just listened to your episode on structural engineering podcast. I really love these points because you really brought in, you know, really he was talking about structural engineering career being a part of the higher education, even after they leave school. And so anyways, he and I got to talking and I asked him if he had any advice and he, you know, was very gracious, like, oh yeah, this is my advice, blah, blah. And he had talked about another engineer on his podcast that he got to come work for him. So I asked him, I was like, so I heard you talk about this guy. Would he be interested in, in like doing some kind of event at KU where he talked to engineers or students? And he's like, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, he gave me his email and I emailed him, we hopped on a video chat and we just had a really, I don't know, like similar personality or something. And we just had a lot of fun talking and it's turned into like where we just check in with one another every now and then, and just talk about, yeah, structural engineering, about professional development, um, and just about different things going on in our industry that we find interesting. We, we all love making personal connections, but it's just we probably wouldn't have done it if we if we weren't on LinkedIn or something, because we live in different states. So,
0: well, I love every detail of this example. It's <laughs> I mean, it's virtual. It started with you listening to a podcast and being enterprising yeah. enough to get in touch with a person on LinkedIn. And then, you know, one thing led to another. And that is exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about networking and people are so are confused. It's like, well, what do you mean by networking Mm. and how does it actually work, especially in a virtual environment? This is a perfect example. So I'm so glad that you put that out there in in the detail that you did. Um, Crystal, I want to wind up by asking you the question we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience even if it's something we've already talked about today.
1: Yeah, I would really say that, that example that I shared about getting immersed in your industry and knowing what your industry is about and what impacts those companies involved. um, I think you becoming an expert on those things really helps clarify, you know, not just what kind of job you'd like to get, but the vision behind your career. And I think the clearer that you can get that vision of really what you want to do, really helps you to identify the type of skills that you want to develop. And it gives you a lot of confidence when you know, yes, this is where I wanna be, and this is what I wanna do. And I think employers and other uh, people in the industry really respond to that kind of excitement and enthusiasm. And it really doesn't come unless you know what you're talking about, right? I've definitely heard a couple people tell me um, your heart cannot love what your mind does not know. Mm. And so I think the more that you spend knowing this, ind- the industry you want to get into and the career is all about getting to know the people who are in it, You know what kind of job they do, what skills they find important, and who these companies are and what's important to them. that you could bring that value to them and they can see that. Um, And if you don't know, then the best thing to do is really by asking questions of other people who are in it. People love talking about that, especially if you get to know those things and you realize, yes, this is what I want to do. Now you can move forward or you can say, oh, that did not sound like something I wanted to do. I can figure out something else, you know, but I just think, yeah, the more, you know, the more you'll find what you really love.
0: Excellent advice. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Carol, for having me. And yeah, thank you so much for all the work you guys do at iRelaunch. I've been a part of the community for a while and it's it's been great encouragement.
0: We appreciate you saying that. And thanks for listening to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break.